So, so I asked him, I said, uh, so is, is Lent something that's recognized in your religion as a whole and everybody has to do it? Is it based, is it from church to church? Is it individual to individual? Well, here we are again, Pastor Jameson. Good to be here. Good to have you here. <clears throat> I'm kind of forced to say that, but it is good to have you here. I mean, it's, I know. It is good to have me here. <laughs> you better mean that. Hey, it's been a good week weather-wise. So I'm has. pretty happy. Yeah, me too. This this winter's kind of worn on me. A little I would bit. much rather drive down in you know this. You can't see it, but this nice, nice. sunshine, yeah. warm weather. Yes. Yeah. Remember last time I came, it was like monsoon. Yeah, this winter's been brutal. I, normally, cold weather does not bother me so much, and I can I don't mind the season changes and this this maybe I'm just because I'm getting old. I don't know, but this winter hurt me i'm like ready like i'm looking for condos on the beach like hey so that sounds good (laughs) well so i think we've got a pretty interesting little topic today because uh, we are recording this on a friday and so uh, lent is actually started this week Mm -hmm. so i thought um that we would talk about lent and kind of is it biblical or is it more of a tradition um, and do you have to be Catholic to do it? And then kind of talk about uh, maybe some of the mindset around around Lent. So, yeah, if that works for you, that works for me. All right, good deal. Well, what do you know about Lent? I know that I don't like to give up chocolate because I still have my <laughs> my bar here. So, um, I know it's a really old tradition yeah. for sure. Um, I think the early church participated in it. But it really didn't take hold till like the mid three hundreds. So what would that be like? Considered the fourth century, I guess. Um, Interesting enough, supposedly this came about about the same time as the Council of Nicaea. Nicaea. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. And evidently, one of the letters and the arguments that were being made over the the deity of Christ um, involved a letter about fasting, a Lent fast, mm. so, and that's kind of how. Guess it originated, or so history says. Yeah, Uh, for me, I was really—I mean, I'd heard of Lent growing up, but kind of growing up Southern Baptist, I didn't. We never practiced Lent, Um, but I never really had paid much attention to it until my my kids went to Catholic school for a while, and absolutely loved the Catholic education system. By the way, it was a great experience, Um, but the kids would participate in Lent. And so we kind of did it at home as well, and that was the first time we had ever really been introduced to it and actually participated in it. But wow, so. yeah, same here. I mean, as far as never doing it, you know, growing up, because our church has never talked about it. Well, you obviously know the Bible pretty well. So, is this something that is actually in the Bible? I mean, is Lent? I mean, we know it originated in the fourth century, but is there a biblical? Um, mandate for this? Uh, no, there's not actually. So uh, I think my understanding is Lent is um, loosely modeled after the 40 days and 40 nights that Christ spent in the wilderness or in the desert, right? Being tempted of Satan. Um, and interestingly enough, I, and I didn't do this intentionally, but I just finished a series at church on the three temptations that Christ that the Bible records that he faced in in the desert from Satan. So that was 
definitely interesting timing. I didn't even plan it that way. But then, so Lent's kind of based on that. Jesus was there 40 days and 40 nights. Um, it records three temptations that he went through, um, which kind of mirror what John says in 1 John. He says there's three basic types of temptations that we all face. The lust of the flesh, um, which I kind of referred to as appetite. That was the first of the temptation was uh, Satan said, turn these stones into bread. Okay, So he was kind of the lust of the flesh, the appetite, the pull that Jesus would have had in his flesh to want to eat. Um, and then the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, Satan said, you know, look, look at all these kingdoms that I can give you if you'll bow down and worship me. And then the pride of life. He took him up and said, jump off the temple here and um, God will protect you. So, you know, the pride, the lust of the eyes, the lust and the pull of the flesh um, are the three basic temptations that kind of encapsulate all the temptations that we face. Lent itself um, is modeled after that, but I actually found, and I won't give it to you right away. We'll, we'll see how this conversation goes. But I was thinking about some verses that, that kind of speak to something um, similar to Lent. And I actually found a verse that in Colossians that Paul wrote that kind of seems to um, say the opposite of, you know, people that want to live in self-denial, which essentially is what Lent is, right? It's a time of, of denying yourself of something that you like. Um, so a lot of people do chocolate, right? That's why I said the chocolate bar earlier, but a lot of people do chocolate. Um, I know people do social media, you know, and other things. So, yeah, there's, that was always a big debate. What are you going to give up for Lent? That mm -hmm. was kind of the big debate around the house whenever it would come around this time of year. Uh, I think one year I did no soda for, for the Lent season, um, which was tough for me, uh, but, um, I gave up broccoli one year. Now that one I could do. Yeah, that one I could do. You got you to be thinking ahead on yeah, this. Yeah, evidently I'm just not as smart as you. So, uh, but everybody knows that anyway. So, well, now this isn't just a Catholic thing, mm -hmm. though. Uh, from my understanding, the Eastern Orthodox Church also practices Lent. They just start it at a different time. It's not started on Ash Wednesday. It's started on what they call Clean Monday. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a a Catholic thing. So this is. Uh, been used by both Protestants and Catholics. Um, and I see it in in some form in other churches, Protestant churches as well. It may not be for 40 days. It may not be in the Easter season. Um, but I, you see a lot of churches that maybe at the beginning of the year, they do 30 days of fasting and prayer mm -hmm. or 21 days of fasting and prayer, something like that. Or sometime throughout the, the year, they may have something like that. So um, it's definitely had an influence Christianity-wide. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had a thought. It's, it went away, <laughs> so just go ahead. It'll come back to me. Well, now, so... Oh, I remember what it was. Okay, okay. so the Eastern Orthodox Church, um, you said they started at a different time. And correct me if I'm wrong, but don't they also... They're more hardcore on the fasting aspect of it as far as actually fasting food. And they do like one meal in the evening, uh, I believe. Yes, that's correct. And yes. they take kind of take the weekends off, so to speak, you know, um, because 40 days from Ash Wednesday, 
you go around, I think Sundays, not the Sundays of Lent are not included in that 40 days, then that's going to land you the week before Easter. Um, the Eastern Orthodox, they start on that Monday, and don't they relax their fasting on the weekends, I think, right? Yes, they do. Well, even the Catholic Church, basically you get like Sundays off. Yeah. You can you don't have to follow it on Sundays. And then there's the thing with the Catholic Church on you can't eat like red meat or chicken or anything like that. You can only eat fish. Dude, on, those fish fries, they have a killer. They are a killer. I, I do enjoy those. Um, one of the things I found interesting as I was reading this was the symbolism with the number 40. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus was tempted for 40 days in the wilderness. Um, Lent is 40 days. 40 is used quite a bit in the Bible um, to designate. for 40 days. And- yes. Depending on the translation, I think uh, 40 is used as a time period um, anywhere between 145 and 155 times in the Bible. Wow. Yeah, pretty significant. Um, like you mentioned, you've got the flood. Um, Moses fasted for 40 days and nights to prepare himself to receive the law. Moses was atop Mount Sinai for 40 days and nights twice. Um, the Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years. Manna rained down on the Israelites for 40 years. The prophet Elijah walked 40 days and nights to reach the mountain of God in Horeb. Jesus fasted for 40 days and nights to prepare for his public ministry. Jesus ascended into heaven 40 days after his resurrection. Um, the human gestation period for new life is around 40 weeks. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's a, a lot of interesting things around the number 40. But from digging into it a little bit, what it tends to show is that 40 days uh, throughout the Bible tends to be a time of transformation um, trial, struggle, um, and then, of course, restoration. So I think we're kind of back to the chaos and order mm-hmm. aspect again. So like the flood symbolizes chaos, and at the end of the 40 days, you know, order is restored. Um, so, that yeah, I found it pretty interesting that 40-day correlation there, but that it's actually present throughout the Bible a lot. Yeah. So I found that pretty interesting. Yeah, some of those, I mean, now that you say them, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's true. But I had, I didn't even correlate those. And then there's even, you can take it a little bit further to even 400. So the 40 into 400, like, wasn't the from the, Essentially, the end of the Old Testament to the start of the New Testament was God was silent for 400 years. Mm -hmm. Um, 40 also tends to designate like the switching of a generation. So not allowing the the generation had to wander in the desert for 40 years before they were allowed into the promised land. So this whole 40, this whole trial and struggle and reliance on God and God to actually provide restoration and not us ourselves is the big significance, I think, in into the Lent season. So, I, I which kind of brings me around to um, when you talk about the different things that people do for Lent. Um, and I'd be curious on your take on this because I think there's a, you have to be careful. I think you have to be careful in the intent 
of your mind and your heart when you're moving into, if you're going to do Lent or some type of fasting, um, that the that your motives are in the right place, that mm-hmm. your heart and, and mind is in the right place. Um, and I kind of want to talk about that a little bit because I think um, you can lose the significance of it if you're not in the right place. And I'm guilty of it as, as well. Sure. Um, and, and wouldn't that also be true of just about uh, anything that we do? And, and just keep it in context, anything that we do um, spiritually, right? Whether it's your daily prayer. Um, I even I think I think we even see this when we pray over our food. You know, is it really saying, "Hey, God, I want to take a moment and stop and say thank you," or is it more of a, uh, you know, rub a dub dub, thanks for the grub, kind of quick prayer? Let's eat. You know, uh, so whether it's that, whether it's doing daily devotions, uh, to just to say that you've done them because you're being a good Christian, going to church, um, tithing, even you know. How much of this do we do, uh, and over somehow over the 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 over time it loses its significance. It loses the meaning um, to us as individually because it becomes something that we're so accustomed to. Um, communion, for example, I'm not trying to take a rabbit hole here, but this is just you know I think it kind of ties in with what you just said. Communion, I like it that Jesus Jesus never said you have to do this. Every week, the first Sunday of every month, you you know, once a quarter, all he said is as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. And so I've been to some churches that are very um, strict about how they do communion. It's every service. Some services are the first Sunday of every month. Um, but the church that I was a part of growing up, they, they didn't have, I think they just picked at various times through the year when when the Holy Spirit impressed it upon the pastor's heart to do it. And, and the point is, there's no wrong way, I don't think. I don't think there's a wrong way to do that. Again, it goes back to the significance. So same, same way with Lent. Are we doing it just because everybody else is? It's that time of the year. It's the thing to do. Uh, oh, you know, your spouse is giving up something, so you're going to do it with her so that you don't have to hear her. Uh, gripe at you when she sees you eating something that she gave up. You know what I mean? Yep. So um, that's just something to think about, I think. Well, I think that's what happens. I think we get a alternate agenda sometimes with it, and I, I'm totally guilty of this. So, for example, a lot of people give up some type of food for Lent or if they're doing some type of fasting through the fast room prayer through the church or whatever, and the thought process kind of comes down, at least for me anyway, I guess I can't speak for anyone else, but kind of like, okay, I'm going to cut out sugar for this 40 days because I know it's bad for me. And, you know, I might actually lose some, some weight out of it at the end of this. So am I giving up something that I know I'm going to struggle with that I have to rely on the Lord for that's going to bring me closer to him? Or am I camouflaging a weight loss goal around Lent? And if I'm camouflaging a weight loss goal around Lent, then am I truly participating in Lent, or am I just on a diet? Hmm. So, and I think that goes to the mindset. And where this really hit home with me is when I was researching this. In fact, I chose not to actually do anything for Lent this year based on this because I wasn't prepared in the right way to go into the Lent season. Hmm. 
um, because I read an article when we were researching this topic, and um, there was a guy that wrote a book of like 50 years ago about fasting and Lent and all of that. And he said somewhere in that book that most of the time, we live our life as if Jesus never even came here. Man, that just like struck me right square between the eyes. Like, you know, we'll confess our sins every once in a while. We'll pray over our food. We go about our lives, but we truly live our life as if he never really came. So when you truly think about the significance of what happened on the cross and with the resurrection and what he bore on our behalf with our sins and our struggles and our strife and our ability to now come to him and have our sins forgiven, have that mediator to God and not have to go sacrifice an animal, to not have to live under those Old Testament you know, laws because he's a new law. Man, it just like, I was like, anything I give up at this point, I'm not in the right mindset to do it. So it just really hit me in a way that I was like, wasn't prepared to be hit. And, you know, like it just just kind of smacked me right across the face. Mm. So I was like, you know what, I'm not even going to attempt it this year because I'm not doing it in the right way. I'll reevaluate and kind of prepare a little bit better going into the next season like that. So that's that's what struck me when I was doing my research in this. And truth be told, um, you know, it, and it, it, we don't have to just say this is our one shot this year to prepare our hearts and to um, maybe give up something that we feel like is taking too much of our time or something that we want to spend less time doing so that we can take that time and spend uh, closer to Christ. I mean, that can be an any time of the year thing, right? Yep. And so, I mean, I don't, you know, let's not forget that as well. Because really when you fast, so take fasting, for example, when you fast, the purpose of a fast, there's a couple purposes there, but one of them is to the time that you would be eating, spending time eating lunch or breakfast or dinner, you take you set aside that same time and you spend it with Christ instead. You know, you turn your phone down and you just go into a time of prayer. So if you would take a half hour for lunch, um, normally you know, to eat, then you would take that same half hour and spend that in prayer and fasting, okay, seeking the face of, of God. So um, I, I think the the purpose of, like I said, of fasting is to get rid of one thing, the food element, and to put your attention then on Christ during that same time. Well, with Lent, you know, it kind of has to have the same mindset, I think, is we're giving something up, but as you said, why? Um, so Sunday at church, I finished the sermon series on Christ in the wilderness, temptations, the three. Uh, he was tempted many times, it says there, for 40 days and 40 nights he was tempted. But then it gives the those three examples there at the end of that time period where Satan tempts him. And I, I told the people, I said, Lent is here. Um, you know, most most people in church know what, generally speaking, what Lent is. Oh, it's a time of uh, leading up into Easter where we give something up, okay? And I told them, I said, you know, I, I was thinking and praying about something that we as a church could do together uh, for Lent. 
And the conclusion I came to was, I'm not. We're not going to say as a church you need to give up this or give up that. I said because all of our situations are different. You know what it is in your life that you feel like perhaps you uh, could spend a little less time doing and put more effort into your relationship with the Lord. So I just kind of issued a, a very general uh, challenge, so to speak. I said, you know, if there is, if there's something in your life, if not, you don't even have to participate. That's fine. That's totally up to you. Uh, I got a funny story about that from the Catholic church, by the way, too. But, um, but if you feel like there is something that this is a good time of year to, um, make, make that focus happen, you know, it's the same way with Easter and Christmas. Like we designate in the on the liturgical calendar, we designate certain times of the year to focus on certain things. And I think that can be good because it helps keep us focused. I also think that can be bad because um you know, should we only talk about Jesus rising from the dead like once a year? Like no, we meet every week in church because he's alive. If he had never risen from the dead, we wouldn't even be meeting. It would be pointless. You know. So, I don't I think we got to be careful to limit ourselves to just that one time of the year. But since it is Lent season, I, I do think it is a good time to get refocused. And so that's kind of how the, the challenge I issued our church. If there's something that you need to, um, you know, if there's something you need to abstain from completely or just do less of to help you refocus on your relationship with Christ. And that's really what it's about, right, Clay? It's about drawing closer to Christ. It's This isn't about... Um, doing something pious or doing something because you have to, this is, you know, because everybody else is doing it. It's about our relationship with Christ. And that's really the bottom line of it all. Yeah. And I think you have to be careful too. Like you said that we're not doing it because other people are doing it. We don't become competitive about it because I think even Jesus warns about pride coming into play with fasting. Um, when he talks about, you know, shouldn't be kind of going around saying I'm fasting, you're not, or I fasted longer than you or whatever, because mm-hmm. you're missing the whole point of doing it at that point. So, yeah. And in Colossians, so I was thinking about a, a verse that, that came to my mind and in Colossians, Paul's writing to uh, the people in the city of Colossae and there, of course there was a temptation and there were false teachers in their midst. And he makes this clear, be careful, you know, who you listen to, because there's false teachers, there's uh, wolves in sheep's clothing, so to speak, that want to lead you astray. And so he he mentions in this one section here at the end of chapter 2, he says, since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Now, he's not talking about uh, the speed limit and our governmental laws. He's talking about spiritual the, the spiritual elements of the world. He says, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are destined to perish, he said, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Then he goes on to say, such regulations, again, these are religious regulations, they have an appearance of wisdom because they have self-imposed worship. There is a false humility and a harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. And that really hit me, especially that phrase, false humility. 
And if we're going to participate in Lent, and I'm all for it if you want to, um, don't fall into that trap, the false humility trap. Like you begin to kind of get puffed up in your mind, you know, and you become prideful, and it's not a true humility. We should enter into this season with hearts that are saying, okay, God, um, you know, Holy Spirit, search me. You know my heart. You know my strengths. You know my weaknesses. Let me spend this next period of time, this predetermined period of time, just drawing closer uh, to you. And in order to do that, I'm going to give up whatever it is that you decide uh, to give up. But there needs to be true humility there, not not false humility. And so when you mention these things, get, getting caught in these traps, I think that phrase really encompasses what you're talking about, a false, not a real, not genuine. Well, and that's that's how you avoid those traps, right? You rely on God through this sacrifice that you're making so that you can remember what the ultimate sacrifice was. Um, and that's how you avoid those traps, by going into it with the proper heart and the proper mindset and all of that. So, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Good so stuff. I do want to say this, though. Because Lent is, you know, really associated with the Roman Catholic Church for sure. Uh, so I was at I was at my barber, and he's Catholic, and we talk about different things. And he said when he was younger, um, he was trying to figure out one year what to give up for Lent. And he said one of the nuns, he said she was a pretty liberal nun. He said, he, uh, he said she said to me, his name is George. He said George, you know what? You're talking about what you should give up for the next forty days. She said God just wants you to be happy. She says, so don't worry about it, <laughs> which I, I, I thought was interesting. I was like, oh, okay. I've never heard a Catholic say that before. But uh, so, so I asked him, I said, uh, so is, is Lent something that's recognized in your religion as a whole and everybody has to do it? Is it, based, is it from church to church? Is it individual to individual? And he said pretty much all churches participate, but he said it's still really an individual thing, even for, for Catholics. That's what he said. Yeah, I don't even think you necessarily have to take something away. You could add something in to your life. I mean, I guess in a way you'd be swapping time maybe, but you could make sure you're adding in 10, 15 minutes of of time with the Lord in prayer or in his word or whatever. So it doesn't necessarily, you don't have to necessarily take away a food or or your phone or anything like that. But just make sure, again, you're approaching the whole, whether you add or take away with the right right mindset. So, yeah. um, But I think it's very. I mean, it can definitely be very beneficial and draw you closer to the Lord if, if the proper motivation is there. So. Absolutely. Well, I think let's end this episode if you can't ask that right there. Okay. Um, and again, if you are enjoying our, our banter and conversations, love for you to subscribe or follow, um, comment, um, ask questions. Um, in fact, over the probably the next um, few weeks as we're in the Easter season, the topics are going to be geared around that, around Jesus's public ministry, the uh, the passion story. Um, but to kind of segue into that for our next episode, we actually have a question from a listener, and we are going to uh, address that topic, and that will be a great segue into the Easter season, I think. So, really, mm-hmm. you forgot to wipe the ash off of your fort. Oh wait, that's dirt. Sorry, never mind. <laughs> Go ahead. Let's just stop right there. I'm not even going to comment. <laughs> All right, looking All right. forward to it.